definitely important for Black people to, to own something, um, not just clothing and, and cars. They, these things are momentarily at, momentary assets. They, they're going to go eventually, all of them. So you can't keep a car forever. You can't keep jewelry and clothes forever. These things have time limit, but assets don't. A house will stay in your family for generations and generations and generations and generations, whether you own an apartment building or an office building. That land isn't going anywhere because anywhere you own it. have a fuck you please send them to us here at black at work pod at gmail.com you can write them in on our website black at work pod.com send them in anonymously or you can put in your name if you want us to put you on blast okay uh so this is a follow-up from last week's fuck you from sherry if y'all remember sherry <laughs> dana gave her like the business okay let me say y'all so sorry sherry <laughs> Sherry came back to uh, to write in and she says, I screamed when I heard y'all read me. <laughs> I put her back on days starting this Wednesday, y'all. And Anessa is right. I don't have kids and didn't understand and was being petty. And petty and that petty boo song, oh my God, y'all drag me. <laughs> I cannot stop laughing. I'm so glad this is anonymous. Ha ha. Still love you and the show. Now let me go see if Missy Beck got some openings. LMAO. <laughs> Girl, Sherry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just I just couldn't believe you did that to that girl. Like you needed to, you needed that song. Um, so I'm glad that um, there are no hard feelings here. <laughs> okay. Um, and we're glad you're still a listener of the show. And we're also glad that you stopped being petty and you took them hot ass boots off. Are we Anessa? <laughs> girl, we so happy. Okay. It is hilarious. I'm so glad that y'all don't take our fun shade too seriously but i'm so glad that you put her back on days that was the right thing to do friend um and just to let y'all know co-workers y'all be writing in and spelling my name wrong my name is spelled <laughs> <laughs> did she spell it wrong <laughs> baby she called me anisa okay sherry co-worker my name is spelled a-n-n-e-s-s-a okay y'all just <laughs> it's cool though i understand all right, Sherry. So our next fuck you comes from Damon. Damon says, I work in a call center for a huge auto insurance company. And a couple weeks ago, I got a racist member call in, which she called me a nigger, a porch monkey, a demon, and started rambling about how Trump is working to get me back to Africa. <laughs> Bitch, please. I'm West Indian, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh my manager apologized and said the company was going to quote unquote further investigate the call they pulled the call listened to it and waited almost three weeks 
to send me an email and let me know that they heard the call and they are sorry. Just sorry. Not we canceled the person's membership because they were a racist piece of shit and we value you as an employee more than her paying $59 a year for a membership to our club. What can I do other than smile and take the racism? In 2020, I know you guys speak a lot about companies not valuing their black employees and I just wanted to add my experience. Fuck that lady and my company. Oh, oh my God. So much to unpack here. Um, first of all, I'm sorry for laughing when you were like, I'm with Cindy. <laughs> you know, a lot of white people think that all black people come from Africa, which um, that's, that's why I was laughing. But anyway, listen, listen, this is the part where you say, oh, you know what? I'm so sorry that I offended you with my blackness. Um, let me get you to speak to my manager. His name is Mr. Tone, first name Dial. I would have hung the fuck up on this bitch, first of all. Like, <laughs> you would have had to shake my line. I would have hit you with that old Negro spiritual. You would have had to get the fuck off my phone. See, when I worked in the call center, I used to be, I used to be real petty. Like when I knew I was trying to hang up on somebody, I started talking and then hang up right in the middle of me talking. So they think they got disconnected. So bitch, you really mad. You got to call back in. You got to go through all the prompts, the automated system. You yelling, screaming, representative, representative. Yeah. You're going to do all of that fucking with me. You racist bitch. I am so sorry that your company did not do anything about this. Like, and you can you be Eve any more blatant? And then they waited three weeks to tell you that they were sorry too. Cancel this bit fifty nine dollars a year, nigga. I could give you fifty nine dollars. Like it, this lady was more important to you than me sitting here making all this money for you guys. Like I know I'm rambling, but that was fucked up, and I'm sorry you even had to experience that. Girl, you are not rambling. Like you are hitting the nail on the head each time. Like it's. This is crazy. I can't even believe, like, like he said in 2020, these are the types of things that we're going through. I get on the phone and you calling me a nigger, a, por a porch monkey and a demon and saying that Trump supposed to be sending, sending me back to Africa. I am just, I am floored. Okay. I, I have, I literally, I don't even know what to say, but your job that I'm sorry, your, your company is really I mean, they're really fucked up because all you're going to tell me is sorry. That's it. I should have got a $500 bonus. I should have got. Okay. Cut me a check for my um pain and suffering. Okay. I was just going to say for pain and suffering. <laughs> like that is, first of all, we already got a deal and that's okay. I mean, and then on top of that, you're West Indian. So, you know, white people like that. They're so ignorant. Like, you don't even know what you're talking about. Anyways, it's a lot. And I'm just so sorry, Damon, that that happened to you. Um, And I'm glad that you wrote in. I'm glad that you're a listener. So with that being said, guys, if you have a fuck you, please, please unpack them and send them to us. Let out your frustrations here with us at blackatworkpod at gmail.com. Um, send those to our email or you can send them anonymously online, uh, blackatworkpod.com. All right, guys. Well, I'm so sorry that my voice is hoarse today. Like, I know I sound like a dude, probably. <laughs> but, um, like, no dude. I don't. 
No, ma'am. You sound like a real burger. Oh, I think it's not. Okay, well, good. Well, okay, guys. Well, forgive my apology for sounding like a dude, and let's go ahead and get into the water cooler. Come on. And let me find out news. Actress Niecy Nash is married now to her boo singer Jessica Betts. I am here every day of the week for a black queen moving on with her love life and not looking back. And sis straight got married on our asses. Now, first of all, let's pause here because she did get a divorce in this same year, 2020. It picked right back the fuck up and got her a, a new wife. Okay, listen, Nisi is 50 years old and she let a man, yes, she let a man marry her twice. Didn't work out. She says she is done with the penis life. It ain't for her no more. Godspeed, sis. Godspeed. I love this story. I love that Nisi doesn't give a fuck. I love that black lesbians everywhere went up for this. I love the love. So shout out to Nisi. I am at. Nisi Nash is so beautiful. She's a she's beautiful. She's a wonderful actress. And Baby said, I am done with these niggas, okay? I am <laughs> I am tired, baby, okay? She said, I'm going on to the other side. Uh, so shout out to her and congrats, Nisi. I'm here for it. And she had a lot. I went to her Instagram and she had a lot of young adults that were just like, commenting and saying you know how that this has helped her or helped them so um that's dope yeah it's dope and um <laughs> shout out to Nisi Nash again what a beautiful story anyway the CDC has banned evictions until December the 31st which okay that's not a lot of time for people to come up with back rent since March but all right um, according to the 2015 American Housing Survey, slightly less than half of rental properties are owned by quote unquote mom and pop landlords, while the rest are owned by business entities. So I bet you're wondering, how does this help me? Well, it doesn't. You heard it here first. It requires tenants to sign and submit a declaration to the landlord certifying under penalty that they qualify for protection under the program. It does not relieve tenants from the obligation to pay rent because all of the rent, all the back rent comes due on January the 1st. And it allows landlords to continue to charge late fees and and other penalties, sorry, um, as permitted by their state law. So this is bullshit. We've all seen the sad ass videos of families getting evicted. Um, this is truly disgusting. I cannot believe that it's the CDC out here banning evictions and not our fucking government. Like this orange bitch in the White House clearly doesn't give a fuck. Um, I think they started the RNC a couple of weeks ago talking about he's the, uh, rich poor man's president like what the fuck is that he does not give a fuck about anybody that's not rich like and it's it is insane that you missing tooth ass bitches have not seen that in these past four years like you're gonna be evicted you're gonna be evicted jim bob you're getting evicted like 
He does not give a fuck about y'all. So I hope. You know what? In, in, in side note, they probably made this until December 31st. So you motherfuckers can feel like y'all getting some type of break when y'all head to the polls in November. But fuck this motherfucker. He does not give a damn. Go vote. <laughs> I'm going to be saying this every week until November the 3rd. Go vote, go vote, go vote. Go vote, go vote, go vote. I was just about to say, go and vote. And <laughs> it's sad because I don't pay rent, but I do pay mortgage. And I will be the first to say and be brutally honest. I am also too on a forbearance of my mortgage because I can't pay that shit because we got a salary cut and I'm expected to owe a big lump sum at the end of this month, I believe. And I don't know what I'm going to do. It's sad that the, uh, of the situation that we're in. And it's even more sad that, I mean, I don't, I, at this point, he can do nothing else that is going to surprise me. He is very incompetent and he is not the man for the job, obviously. So at the end of the day, y'all got to go vote. And I am here for the hashtag, you missing tooth bitches. <laughs> <laughs> My friend be going in. I'm not even. I just be, y'all, I'm done. <laughs> and, and the thing is, they still going to go vote for him. Like, they're going to be like, well, he gave me another month to get out of my- <laughs> To get evicted. Right. Looking ass. Man, y'all, I hope all of y'all get what y'all deserve. Like, truly get what y'all deserve. Anybody that votes for this man, like, yeah, I hope y'all get what y'all deserve. Anyway, our favorite to flame, Tyler Perry, is now a billionaire, according to Forbes. Shout out to him. Um, he does a lot of good for our community by way of his poorly, solely written productions. <laughs> and honestly, I'm proud of the brother. So congrats to Tyler. He once slept in his car. So he is literally, he's, he's the actual American dream billionaire story, not the bullshit shit that you hear from your president or, um, any of these other motherfuckers, Jeff Bezos that got a million dollar loan from their parents. Like he literally slept in his car and worked his way up. So what a blessing. Shout out to Tyler. Shout out to, um, everybody that works for him, all the people and actors and actresses that he gives chances to and hires and just putting us out there on the screen, whether or not it's written well or not. Whether or not you make your scenes 20 minutes long and by the time the show is over, we only done seen one thing happen. Child, ah. I'm so done. House of Pain and um, Assisted Living came on. Over. I, what? Wait a minute. Assisted Living? That's what it's called. House of Pain is back. I used to love House of Pain. It's back. And he has a new show with Cora and Brown or Cora and, you know, David and Tamala Man. And it's called Assisted Living. His, um, eh. <laughs> his scenes be so long. I'm like, Tyler, Tyler. Like, we spend 14 minutes on one scene. Like, by the time we get finished, the show got the show over. We ain't seen nothing. Child, but yes, I love Tyler. Shout out to Tyler. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad he's a billionaire. Just cut me a check, Hell, That's all I'm trying to say. 
Okay, hire me. Um, so this is um really a break room discussion, but it was so big that I feel like we should talk about it in length in the water cooler. And that is Monica versus Brandy. What a versus. Okay, so first, Anessa, I just want to know what you thought of it. First of all, I literally thought I was at a concert. You would you could not tell me that I wasn't at American Airlines Center on row. 10 on row R in seat 102. Not row R. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, baby. I, I had my wine. And it was so funny because my boyfriend and my baby were there, you know, in the living room. And I tuned them out and I just had a blast. And they were looking at me like, what is going on, baby? I was getting my entire life. I thought it was excellent. I did feel like they were a little bit kind of shady in the beginning a little bit. It was they was throwing a little bit of shade and it came off a little fake in the beginning. But I feel like as they got as they started to warm up to each other, uh it started to feel a little bit more, you know, genuine. But regardless, they both have hits. Now I don't think it's a competition and I I know I keep rambling. I don't think it's a competition but Monica definitely won. I feel like she won because I don't feel like Brandy played all of her. St- I don't feel like she played all of her good songs. Now I got my life on almost doesn't count, and I want to be down. Um, did she play Have You Ever? I don't. I don't recall. I don't think she even played. Like I feel like she could have played a lot more songs, and Monica. She could have played a lot more songs too, but I feel like she came with more of her heavy hitting songs. So I feel like Brandy, I was expecting Brandy to win, quote unquote, but Monica came in for the jugular. But I mean, I, both of them did an amazing job. To me, at the end of the competition, I got my life and I felt like it was a Brandy and Monica tour. Okay. Well, I thought it was too much goddamn talking. Like, I really wanted Brandy to shut the fuck up. Like, she was just going on and on. And, like, you know what? They both had, like, real, real weird rambling moments. Um, I'm gonna have to disagree with you, friend. I, I, after that versus, I realized that I don't like a lot of Monica's songs. Like, I really, yeah, I, because, you know, they, they're supposed to play their hits. And I recall, you know, skipping that on the album or turning the station when they came right. on or not really listening to it. And maybe, maybe it's, I don't know, but I felt like Brandy won just because I was more familiar. Actually, I'm very familiar with both of these ladies' catalogs, but I feel like I related more to Brandy's catalog. Um, and like I told y'all last week, Never Say Never was my jam lamb. And nobody could tell me nothing about self-titled Brandy. Like, I kind of grew up listening to her. But shout out to Monica for also being the bomb. I mean, she made some of her biggest hits at 12. Like, she was literally singing like that yes. at 12. But as far as voices go... I feel like I could find you about 30 bitches that can sing as good as Monica, if not better. But Brandy is a voice like her tone, her harmonies. Like she she has one of those voices that not a lot of people can replicate. You get these artists like Summer Walker and Janae Aiko that 
try it. But you get you only have like one brandy. And even though both of these ladies' voices are distinct, like again, like I said, I feel like I could find 30 bitches that can sing like Monica. Baby, come on with it because Monica, I will say this, and I've always said this, Monica cannot sing. <laughs> you really think so, friend? She can't sing. <gasps> she can't. I mean, I feel like, okay, I'm not going to say she can't sing, like, because people going to be like, dang, she's saying she can't sing. I'm not saying she can't sing, but to your point, I can get on a record, get some auto-tune and some reverb, and do, and put out a, put out a song just like her. Brandy. Girl can sing down okay when i say sing down she will sing you down she will sing your mama down you ain't it down and whoever is in that grave she'll sing them more down six feet under okay like people like you said try to replicate her girl monice had brandy over her house trying to uh do her runs and stuff i'm like monice sit down you'll never be girl i can't even believe brandy graced her with her presence. I don't even know who Monice is, but I know she's probably from <laughs> Love and Basketball Wives and uh, Ma'am No. Ma'am No. From, wait a minute. She's from Love and Hip Hop Hollywood. She's okay. who is this baby mama. Okay. I knew it had to be, because I know Ray J's on this show and I know Brandy yes. comes through sometimes, so I just put those together real quick. Ma'am No. Right. Girl, she had her at her house, like, trying to Borderline. I'm like, baby, just just sit down. But anyways, like you said, it, Brandy can can sing. Monica, I just feel like she's, you know, like you said, I, thirty more people. I think Brand. I mean, I think Monica has more relatable hits. Like bitches love that hood shit. That, you know, that's Correct. what it is. Like Correct. she just has more relatable music, and Brandy's music is for like R and B fans, and you know. Monica's music is for like bitches that will fight you. So it's like, you know, right. I think it was a popularity contest, to be honest with you. Like everybody rolled hard for Monica and her, her, her Lord for quad outfits. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm, y'all, y'all ain't here for me no more. I'm logging off. I'm not on the show no more. <laughs> Wait a minute. First of all, that with me that came up with that, that was somebody from Twitter. Okay. They said she looked like Lord Farquaad with that hat and them tight ass pants. And baby, listen, listen, she did look uncomfortable as fuck. She looked like she could not breathe. When she was up there trying to dance, she looked like me, bitch. And I cannot dance. <laughs> I cannot dance. She was stiff as a motherfucker. She was looking like one of them aunties at the ceremony. Like, hey, hey, hey. It's like, auntie, nah, sit your broke leg, hurt me ass down. Like, <laughs> I thought she looked a mess. Um, I understood Brandy's outfit, even though everybody was like, oh, Brandy looks a mess. Fashion girls understand that Brandy had on all the trends, the square uh, Bottega Vanettis, the, the destroyed boyfriend jeans. Like, she just looked like a trend, and Monica looked like a label whore. Like, that's... Baby, not... I'm still on Laura Farquaad from Shrek. Baby, y'all, <laughs> I cannot... The memes were hilarious. Did y'all see them put the white shoes on Monica? Baby, when Monica came out, I said, Monica, why would you wear that to these? You should be comfortable, baby. She was, she could not breathe in that corset. That corset was killing her. And it's August. I mean, well, it was August and it's still hot. Okay. 
And weren't they in LA? Why you Girl, got on them in Atlanta, Atlanta where it's real hot and humid? <laughs> Why you got on them leather pants? That remind me of that uh from Waiting to Excel when he was like, uh, that girl was like, but your leather weren't in the summertime. <laughs> Hold on. I'm so done. The fact that we people are still dragging Monica in her pants. And I also saw a meme. The memes were hilarious, but I also saw another meme. Uh, her, they tried to say that she looked like the dude from White Chicks. Uh, <laughs> leather pants on when it did, when his pants popped out. Oh man, y'all let them have it, but it was a great versus, nonetheless. It was it, it drawed in 1.2 million views. I feel like at its highest or 1.3, I might be getting it all. Um, shout out to Black women for making that happen. They broke Instagram records. Yes. Um, and it was a really nice setup. I love how they did it on TV so we could watch on TV and tweet on our phones. Like, that was dope. A lot of what they did was uh, groundbreaking for the, the verses. And Timbaland and uh, Swizzy have hinted that the next verses is going to be just as like, woo. So I'm expecting to see um Sade and um I don't know Gladys Knight together. Some no, nah, that's off. That's off. Patty LaBelle and Gladys. Somebody that's like that big that you would love to see rival. Something crazy like that. Yeah, I've also seen like T.I. and 50 Cent going back and forth. I'm like, are y'all no, do a version? I don't, I don't need that. I don't need that. T.I. won, so just stop. Girl, period, because I don't even know what. Don't even start that discussion. Yeah, 50, no. Um, <laughs> what you got in the club? Like, and don't get Candy me wrong. Shop. Okay, that's it. that's it. Like, Get Richard Die Trying was that album, but that was your album, and that was it, buddy. Like, whatever you believe <laughs> after that, I don't know about. So, you might as well just sit this one out. Sit down, 50. Um, but anyway, we have really gone over time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's all for the water cooler, guys. Um, let's take a break. Okay, guys. So today for our down to business segment, um, we have Derek Kirk joining us today. He is an entrepreneur, grew up an orphan and placed in multiple foster homes and was homeless by the age of 17. By age 28, he became an executive at the firm he was working for within the real estate industry. He is now traveling the world and making numerous investments along the way. He spends his time now consulting in the real estate industry and as a motivational speaker, sharing his knowledge and life story. Thank you so much, Derek, for being on our show. We're so glad to have you. Yes, awesome. Thanks. Thank you, too, for having me. Um, excited to be here. Great. So, Derek, um, just kind of starting off, um, what made you want to, you know, I mean, obviously your story, your backstory speaks for itself and probably why you wanted to become an entrepreneur. But tell us a little bit about why you wanted to become an entrepreneur and um, what that looks like for you. What types of businesses are you into right now? Well, the reason that I've, I've myself wanted to become an entrepreneur because I, I, I hated getting up in the morning. <laughs> I'm sure like many of us, when it's time to go to work and you got to be there at nine o'clock, you're laying in the bed, at, still laying in the bed at eight o'clock and you're like, ah, but that feels different when you are going to work for yourself. You don't, you, you kind of arrange things that fit your life and your schedule. And I've, I've seen and I've heard stories of people that were living lives like that. And then I became friends with people 
several living lives like that. And I idolize uh, them for having such freedoms uh, to do that. But uh, meanwhile, I got to get up and be somewhere by a certain time. And so that made me, that really drive me. And I like nice things. And the only way I can get certain nice things is if I make a certain amount of money. And, and so you, so certain things motivated me to want more and more and more and more. And so they, uh, what really made me want to be an entrepreneur is me wanting more for my life. And that was the drive I, I used to uh, get me where I needed to be. That is really great. Um, really inspiring as well. I know that you have a book coming out in fall of 2022 called Innocence Lost. And it's you talking about your um, childhood and things. Can you kind of talk a little bit about, now we're going to get the book when it comes out. You don't have to give us too much tea. But could you tell us a little bit about your beginnings and what landed you into real estate um, to begin with? Like, how, how did you get, how did you, go from orphan to real estate investor? Well, that, that journey, uh, how, how I became an orphan was my parents uh, kind of neglected me. I was raised by a single mother um, who was uh, addicted to drugs, uh, crack cocaine, and my mother had a pimp. Uh, and so I grew up on the east side of, of uh, Detroit, Michigan. And uh, by reputation, that's, it's not even on the census map. Uh, just a blank space there because it's just where pretty much everyone's forgotten there. Uh, but that's where I grew up and I grew up in a, in a, in a pretty much a dope house uh, where um, my mother and her boyfriend let the drug diddle live with us for, for a discount on their drugs. And so my household was full of heavy activity uh, inside the house, a lot of violence and abuse, uh, done to me and my brothers and sisters as well. And so we have to try to be kids in, in, in the midst of all this. And when you're kids living a life like this, uh, this becomes normal. You don't think that anything outside of that exists. So you go to school every day, you're still happy. You come home every day, you're still happy. You go through these twists and turns of life uh, happy, even though you know our house got burnt down on multiple occasions while we were still inside of it. We got robbed at gunpoint as a family multiple times, shootings. These kind of things were just so common and normal for me as a five-year-old, six-year-old. Seeing these things, it was pretty regular. Uh, and so when um, I finally got taken away from that situation, uh, it kind of shed light on, on, a, on a life that exists that, that I've only dreamed about and saw in movies. And um, I, I found that there was actually real, uh, I could have a real childhood and I got a taste of what that was like, real happiness. And as I'm going through life, I wanted to hold on to that, to that happiness, to that safe, that security and uh, that fear of dipping back into poverty and that fear of dipping back into abuse uh, is what really drives me to to never have to go back into that. And that, that fear is what still drives me uh, today. Real estate has always been a safety net for me. Uh, I have friends that dabble in real estate. I, I currently work in real estate. And so I've always found real estate to be uh, a sure thing. 
kind of be a safe net uh, out of poverty for me because uh, growing up and finally meeting friends and making friends that are in real estate, they've, they've never been broke or poor in, in real estate. I have friends who invest in retail. I had friends that invest in a lot of other things that just didn't pan out. But my friends on the real estate side, I never see them waver at all. Usually if they buy a house for 15 grand, 20 grand, 40 grand, 100 grand, they still have 100 grand because that house still exists. And so if they ever needed the money, they could sell the house or they could rent the house and make money. The money always exists. And so with them, I always... Uh, I gravitated for it was just the security that made me stick to real estate and the safetyness of never having to ever go back into poverty again. Real estate gave me that security. And I've dabbled in a few other opportunities, but nothing has ever been as sure as, as real estate. You can always count on it being there. So um, as I got out of my situation, uh, the first thing I wanted to do is become a businessman. But uh what does that look like for a teenager? No one knows. So you dabble in things, you try things, you try to figure out your way. But ultimately, um, I came into my own uh, real estate. Your story is, I mean, it's absolutely amazing um, for you to be incredible. Yeah. For you to be able to come Mm. in that situation and to be where you are now, salute to you. Um, Thank you. Thank you. For sure. Uh, But, Going back to uh, real estate and entrepreneur entrepreneurialship, uh, why do you think it's important for, or do you even think it's important for, you know, black people or people that look like us to be entrepreneurs? We always talk about on this show, you know, being an entrepreneur and trying to have your own. So why is that important um, to you, if at all? It's definitely important for black people to, to own something. Uh, not just clothing and, and cars. They, these things are momentarily at momentary assets. They they're going to go eventually. All of them. So you can't keep a car forever. Can't keep jewelry and clothes forever. These things have time limit. But assets don't. A house will stay in your family for generations and generations and generations and generations. Whether you own an apartment building or an office building, that land isn't going anywhere anywhere because you own it. And so um, I definitely. Definitely. I'm a huge supporter of African-Americans investing heavily in real estate when they can. Now, real estate varies in price. It's affordable. There's houses that are cheap that you may have to put some work into, but there's land you can just buy just a lot. You don't actually have to buy real estate in, uh, in, as, in a house form. You can just buy a parking lot for $100 and then you can end up owning like 70 parking lots, you may not do anything with them, but you now your family own a piece of the land that now you can sit on. And when that neighborhood eventually gets gentrified, now someone has to pay you, you know, $2 million for those 70 lots and you only spend a thousand dollars. You see, so it's, it's ways to do it. Uh, but I think definitely black people definitely need to invest and buy some just to have it under their belt and, and just to do it, just to own a piece so you said some really great things there and a couple things to, to, to talk about. What advice would you give to to someone that might be looking to go into real estate, but 
They don't know exactly where to start. And also, you know, people don't really know about like buying a parking lot. Like, let me go take my hundred dollars <laughs> right now and go buy me a couple or a hundred parking lots because that is so smart. But nobody, you know, teaches us this or nobody tells us this. So we don't know how to <laughs> circulate our dollar or make money for ourselves. So I guess I have a two part question. What would you tell somebody that's trying to get into real estate? And then also, how can we learn about how to even get involved in just simply buying a parking lot or those types of simple things? Yeah, no one's going to going to teach you this. Um, There's a lot of people preaching classes and classes, but you also got to pay for those the knowledge uh, from people that are trying to teach it. And it's, it ultimately is going to cost you more more than the information is actually worth. Even, no matter what you what you hear from the person trying to teach you, it's not worth the money they're charging. So you got to kind of teach yourself and research yourself. But no matter what city you live in, what state you live in, there's a ghetto. Uh, usually those ghettos are heavily underfunded and um, there's burnt down houses and there's vacant lots. And those and when you, so if you ride down a a street in the ghetto and you see a vacant lot next to a burned down house, that vacant lot is probably a hundred bucks. Um, and it's probably thousands and thousands and thousands of these lots that exist. Now, um, usually these neighborhoods usually gentrify over time, piece at a time. And uh, the closer and closer the ghetto is to the suburbs, most likely that's going to be the next neighborhood that goes uh, to be gentrified just so that suburb can expand uh, its population. And so usually those those lots are still there. They're still the same prices. Usually the lots are all the same prices. If it's an, an abandoned neighborhood-ish, uh, those lots are pretty much the same prices. And you, you it's sometimes it's too late. Some blocks are, have already sold out and some, some are just still sitting and someone can come and snatch that one lot up and sit on it for like three, four, five years and then someone probably will end up contacting you trying to buy your lot because they're trying to buy the entire block. And then now, even though you paid a hundred dollars, they're going to probably come at you with, with, with probably $3,000 or more, depending on who the buyer is. So it's up to you to kind of buy it and then sit on it or buy in bulk and then sell in bulk. Uh, buying and selling of real estate, no matter what it is, is is always a revolving door of money. If you went out and took a grand and bought, you know, some lots, you can sell that portfolio of lots that you got to someone else and someone else and someone else. It's always someone in the industry shopping around for lots, especially if you bought it closer to uh, a nice neighborhood and then it's easier to resell um, because you did all the work, you did all the work of buying it. You may go over there and cut the grass. You may go over there and do some landscaping to make it look pretty. And now you go off and sell it to someone that is looking to put a park in place. Maybe the city might buy it. They just didn't want to put in the work to get it nice. And you did. So now you can sell it for a profit, but oh, you only bought it for a hundred bucks. And then you got you and your family to go and cut the grass and put up a little fence or something like that. So you can re- make some real money in this in the industry just simply by owning the land and Detroit uh, is currently being gentrified. And um, there's buildings that people bought for 50 grand. And now they, now that the city has changed though, that 50 grand building is worth $6 million. There's people that bought a house for a thousand dollars. Now the city changed, 
they it's they're selling that thousand dollar house for a hundred thousand dollars because they just sat on it uh, until the city changed. But the money they spent to sit on it uh, was pretty much nothing. And so it's the opportunity is there, but the information isn't. And this isn't something that someone's going to teach you. These properties just exist. The city sells them to people who know. And if you don't know, uh, they're not going to teach you. And so you, if you have friends in the industry, they'll take the time to teach you. But if not, you definitely have to learn yourself. OK, so I have a two part question, too. <laughs> what was your first buying experience like? What did you buy and how did you use it to expand your business? My first uh, it, you're going to be definitely terrified because it's the unknown. You don't understand the process. Uh, you see, I bought a vacant house that was pretty much beat up and run down, just sitting open and anyone could run inside it and take anything. So it's, it was going to take me some, I think I bought it for like five grand and uh, just the, the house itself. It was a two family flat house with so an upstairs and a downstairs for five grand. But the the bones of the house, the, the paint job looks decent. The structure looks like it's still intact. And so I took a chance on it because they don't give you refunds if you after you buy it, it's final. So you don't know if it has a massive electrical problem or massive mass plumbing problem at all. You don't know until you buy the place. And then you might be like, OK, well, this plumbing is going to take me like 40 grand to fix. So now you just realize you made a mistake, but you won't know until you do it. It's up to you to learn how to read these houses just from images. And then you may go drive by it, walk the property a little bit, and you eventually get good at it. But the only way you're going to learn how to eyeball these houses to know what you're getting into is to do it first. Even if it's a huge mistake, your first one, you still need to go through that mistake just to learn, okay, now I know what to look for on the next one. And that's what's important. That's where the money is. So I bought the house for five grand. I put another eight grand into it. So I'm working at the same time and I'm saving money to pay for this side project. So it's no rush on this. You don't have to have all this money to do that. You can take your money, your check at a time and, and save to the side and have family do it. Now it's even cheaper. Now you don't need eight grand. Now, since you have know somebody, you may just pay them, you know, 500 bucks and then they do all of this work for you. So it's it's up to you however you want to plan it out. But the you start fixing the windows, you start doing the exterior paint, the interior, the drywall. You do it little at a time. You do the, you fix all the plumbing issues, the electrical issues. You put your washer and dryer in there. You, you really get it piece by piece by piece until it looks nice. You get a landscaping done, and now you can rent the house. Now you can either have a low income house and rent it to the state. Uh, for Section 8. And that's just a check coming in every single month. And you never have to pretty much touch that property again. Uh, and, and then you just only answer maintenance requests from the tenants. But it's Section 8. So that property, is, the state is going to turn them tenants in and out of there uh, without you, without your help. Uh, so that's just, you know, however much you charge a month. If you charge $1,000 a month, that's just a top $1,000 a month you just you're getting for the rest of your life on that house and probably you may need to service it a few times a year. And that house is always just going to make you that money and say you may invest it you know, nine grand into it. The first year you're going to make that nine grand back now forever you're making profit. And so, you know, five years later, you, you'd have made a, you know, like a 60 grand 
you know, uh, and so off that one house that you paid nine grand for, and that's nine grand is just a high end. You could have bought the house for a grand and put three grand into it, you know, over the course of, of a year or two years. And then you charge a thousand dollars to live in it, but you have to just jump into it to do it. And so, uh, these opportunities are there. Going back to what you said about us just not knowing that these real estate opportunities are out there, do you do any mentorships with people who are interested in real estate or are you open to it at all? Yeah, if you message me, I usually give the information free. Uh, I see people on social media asking you to sign up for their class for information you can just Google. But it's sad that people spend hundreds of dollars to find out the information that they just told me. They package it pretty but the information was on Google the entire time. Uh, so I won't do that. If someone messaged me and want to know how to do something, I just tell you free. And then you take that information and, and you do what you do with it. Uh, and you go be successful on your, on your own. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's no, at no cost for something you could easily look at, up on the internet. Well, I'm definitely going to, uh, Okay. I'm looking right now. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to be like Derek Kirk. Okay. I'm trying to be a millionaire. No, nah, but uh but I do want to mention uh we do see that you also have a podcast. And can you tell us about uh your podcast, the name of your podcast, and um what your podcast is about? The podcast is called My Thoughts with, with Derek Kirk. I wanted a place to pretty much educate people on things they may have forgotten about. In one episode, the first episode we did, it was about Obama, and I list all of the things he accomplished, and it's pretty much shocking uh, of all the things he's done in his uh, eight years, but I, I want to do things like that just to remind people of uh, things you may have forgotten you may have forgotten about and talk about issues of today's time with my spin on it and my view on it to help maybe someone shed a light in a different angle. Uh, maybe it might change a view or two, uh, but I want to help people look at things well-rounded instead of uh, some of the things that they hear that are one-sided. Uh, and, and I may paint a picture on this side so you can see how this, how these people may think of it so you can see how they're thinking of it. And then for them, I may, I'll paint a picture on this side so that way they can see how, how they're thinking of it. So um, it's just my thoughts on a wide range of topics. And um, I really dive in on it. That's great. Well, we're going to go and subscribe <laughs> to yes. Derek's podcast because we sure he has a lot to tell us. But I wanted to touch very quickly on the Derek Kirk Foundation. Um, surprisingly, you also give back a lot. Um, and you have so many different programs, um, college scholarships, financial assistance, assistance for other homeless teens. Like, can you talk about that foundation? I mean, it's, it's clear why you probably wanted to have this foundation to help others who were in once in your shoes. But can you tell us a little bit more about it? Um, how could people get assistance? Uh, where should they be located to get said assistance? All of that stuff. Yeah, you can be located pretty much anywhere in, in the United States and uh, we'll help. We, we help single mothers uh, pay bills. Uh, if you're a college student and you need help uh, getting your first car, uh, you have to have a certain GPA to be approved for that uh, as well. But we help that homeless teens 
as well. We we help with that. Uh, we're pretty much, it's just like you said, it's people who grew up like me that just need a leg up. And because I probably wouldn't be here if I didn't have leg ups a- along the way as well. Um, so I want to help people that were just like me that are, are really trying to get to the next level and have the, and, and, and really smart. They're really trying, but they just hit, you know, roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And then maybe we can come and help with one of those roadblocks. So you can be just uh, that close uh, to your goals. Derek, you are awesome. <laughs> what you're doing uh, in the community and how you represent is awesome. So yeah. I do got a question. Do you, are you hiring? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cause I am tired of working for now. Um, but no, you are awesome. And we definitely appreciate you coming on the show and telling us your story. Um, please, you guys go and listen to Derek's podcast, uh, visit his website. We'll be posting all of that, um, of course, on our social media. But um, thank you so much for being a guest on our show. And can you please let us know um, where we can find you, how we can reach out to you via if we want, you know, real estate advice or uh, if we want to listen to your podcast or um, even if we want to uh, reach out to you about assistance um, with in regards to your foundation. Yes, the podcast can be found on all, all podcast platforms from Spotify to Pandora, iHeartRadio, anywhere where you listen to podcasts. My Thoughts with Derek Kirk is there. If you go to www.derekkirk.com, you can contact us there uh, and you can find, find the foundation there. And you can email me uh, directly uh, for information. All right. Well, thank you so much, Derek, for being on our show um, and just dropping gems for us. Like um, a lot of black people don't know these things, like you said, and a lot of us don't know that there's a 30 percentage gap in between white ownership and I'm sorry, white home ownership and black home ownership. So it's imperative for us to get these tools and these resources so that we can also have that type of stable um, income that Derek was talking about earlier on the mm-hmm. show. So um, like Anessa said, you're awesome. Thank you so much for just being black and awesome and also being a guest on our show. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I, I, I enjoy being here. It's time for the break room. It's the break room. It's the break room. What your brain do? Girl, we finna spill all the tea. Hey, hey, it's the break room. All right, y'all. Well, congrats um, to Usher for he's having a baby with some lady that I have. I'm still trying to figure out who this lady is. Now, look, I love Usher. Like, y'all, I love him so much. Like, I was listening to Usher. I used to have him on my little voicemail. <laughs> you know, back in the day, we used to put our voice, you put your phone up to the song and then turn it off and be like, hey, you've reached my voicemail, but I'm not in right now. <laughs> okay, in the background, it's seven o'clock. <laughs> Looking ass. Girl, get out. <laughs> Girl, for real. But I, somebody posted on the shade room because, you know, the shade room posted or whatever. And they were like, you know, us, you're having a baby. Somebody, the comments that people leave 
in in any place is hilarious. These black folks, I, I'm convinced that all black people are comedians, but somebody was like, Usher is not good at this. And he's not. Like, he has a type. <laughs> Wait a minute, what? <laughs> what? I'm assuming that there's, because this lady looks just like the other lady. Her name is Jen Goy Kachia. I don't even know how to say her name, but I don't know what she does, where she came from. But Usher, can we actually look her up? Let me look her up. Look her up. She looks just like the last girlfriend. Jen Goy Goy Kochia. G O I C O E C H E A. (laughs) What is this? Jen Geo Kachia. G O I. I don't know, child. Girl, what is this? Is she black? No. I mean, she look. I don't know. Now, hell no, she ain't black. (laughs) (laughs) But, okay, Usher. Right. Like them girls said, he ain't good at this. Somebody, then the girl commented and said, at all. (laughs) (laughs) I concur. I concur. I mean, congrats to Usher. A baby is always a blessing, but, um, like I said, let's bring Usher and Chili back because I was all the way here for that. Uh, But, anyways, for you. Chili, you think she's weird? Girl, yes. Did you see her dating show a couple of years back? I didn't. Yeah. I remember that, but I didn't watch it. God, please send her a husband that fits her. Actually, her I did watch it. She's very, uh, she has a lot of, she has a list, a checklist. A, a require, like, she's weird. Um, go to therapy. <laughs> Dana keeps telling y'all to go to therapy. Oh my gosh. Well, speaking of therapy, child, a real housewives of Potomac. <laughs> y'all, if y'all don't watch that, it is so good. I know a lot of people are like, oh, they're not good. They're not funny. Like, no, these these women are up there with ATL, if not they like surpassed ATL. Because did you watch this last episode, Dana? Yes. Please tell me you did, girl, because I need to key key. Can we start with Giselle's ensembles? Okay, let's first start of all, <laughs> first of all, shout out to Karen for pointing yeah. it out. What we all know, Giselle is such a fashion downer. It's like you are so beautiful. You have the body. You put that on. Why, bitch? Like Potomac. Out of all the housewives, is like the worst dress. Like, Monique yeah. has to be exhausted from carrying this show, from serving all the girls. Because they are just not... And then I, Karen, she dresses nice to me. But I wonder if it's age appropriate. Like, bitch, you almost 60 wearing, you know, 30 girl, year old stuff. I'm confused. It's a lot going on. But the fashions... Huh, Giselle. Giselle, what was up with that jumpsuit that she had on at the lake? Like, what was that? Like, she looked like she was about to go work out. Everybody else, like, came to serve. What was going on? I'm sorry. Baby, Karen got on that confessional and she was letting Giselle have it. She said, sometimes I just, I don't, I don't know what she's going to wear. <laughs> I love me some Karen Huger. Okay. That lady can do 
no room. Love Karen. Love Karen. And she, I feel like it's so funny that you said she wearing, but Karen actually, I feel like she dressed, she's got a body now. She done been training. She been doing something. I don't know what she got going on, but she got her little body in, baby. She done was a pretty little thing of Fashion Nova. Or call Rashida and uh, went to pressedatl.com or whatever she done did. Because her style is like, she's on point with the fashion. Now, first season, I don't know. But um, now she done got a little money. Got I, feel like, I feel like Karen just started serving. I'm she sorry. did. She this did. This season, because the wig problem was a bad problem last <laughs> year. Okay. Maybe that wig. <laughs> that is... Forever going to be going down in history, baby. That wig was everything when she was trying to get the <laughs> But yeah, Giselle, she gotta do better. She's gorgeous. Like she's dropped that gorgeous, and I just don't understand. You got money, you own Real Housewives of Potomac. Baby, get you a stylist. No IG Jeremy. I mean, I know he in Atlanta, but you uh what's his name? Is out in Atlanta, Jamal Bryan, your new boo. Like, come on, get you somebody that can help you. Because it's it's not okay. It's not okay, Giselle. Please. And get and get an interior decorator too. Because I don't know what's going on with your house. I just feel like your style is just I'ma get off of it. I'ma get off of it. I don't know why it bothers me so bad. No. It is very irky. Like you look it's like you got money. What are you doing? Somebody can come and style. And it, you know, you can get an interior decorator. Like, what do you, what do you, but she thinks her style is fine. Obviously she, it's like she threw up the seventies inside her house. I won't accept that. You cannot possibly think that you, you look good. You girl. don't girl. Ooh, that's, I know you're going to talk about the show, but that scene where they was going to the first dinner over at the lake house in that black. Look, let me get off of Giselle. <laughs> Baby, go ahead, friend. Go ahead. Girl, like about how you read Sherry last week, baby. Uh-uh. <laughs> baby, look. So let's first of all, this last episode from straight from the beginning to the end, I lived. Okay, I got all my life. Cause baby, when they got to the lake, first of all, let me address this bird. With T'Challa, Monique has, I don't know if she's not getting enough attention from Big Dude, Bigfoot. That's what I call him. <laughs> I don't know if he ain't getting enough attention from Bigfoot or what. But she, come on to, come get on my show. I mean, it's like, I don't know what her infatuation is with this bird. But anyway, did y'all see when Wendy or did you see coworkers, everybody, did y'all see when this bird flew on Wendy? Baby, Wendy was talking some, Wendy was saying some BS and that bird said, you know what, bitch, I'm going to flap my wings on <laughs> She was like, I want to get to know everybody on I the real deep level. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, that bird. Y'all, the bird, I had to rewind. They replayed it, but I had to rewind the bird, okay? The bird situation took me out, baby. That bird, T'Challa, went right on over like she was a killmonger. Okay, with the power of the Black Panther on your ass. <laughs> that bird said, bitch, you lying. I'm going to get you straight. <laughs> 
Anyways, y'all, I got to get off the bird, but the bird was funny. I laughed for a good hour. I was talking to myself for an hour about this bird. And let me address the whole Wendy and Ashley situation because Wendy did go really hard on Ashley about her not, you know, her bringing her baby. I feel like she was kind of salty because she didn't wasn't able to bring her baby, but she didn't have to go in on her. But at the same time, I don't like Ashley and Ashley got on my nerves at the at the dinner when they first when they got to the dinner or whatever and was talking about the whole well, you're projecting, you're just mad because um I you weren't able to bring your baby and I wanted to bring my baby. Rewind. Let's let's rewind. Now, in the beginning of the show, you didn't want to bring your baby. Michael forced you to bring your baby. Let's be clear. And Okay, let's be clear about that. And number two, Robin talking about you. Uh, Robin was saying Wendy owes her an apology. Y'all with these apologies. And Wendy was like, I'm not, I don't feel like that warrants an apology. I don't have to apologize for everything. Y'all always want an apology. At this point, we're going to be apologizing. I would have to apologize for every single thing in my life. Y'all always want them apology. Anyways. But how strong was Wendy coming in? So like, uh, yeah, I blew her down, but I don't feel like that warrants an apology. I'm like big dick energy. That must be PhD energy, bitch. Because <laughs> anybody else would have been like, I am so I apologize that I came at you so hard now now Anessa and I are both you know recently postpartum okay and I can totally relate and identify with Wendy's energy at that moment I knew she was projecting I knew that Mm -hmm. she had blown up you know when she felt that way inside, it wasn't necessarily something against Ashley. That's how I looked at it as a viewer. Like, she's like, why come I can't bring my, like, I'm a new mom. Like, I get that. And as a mom, as a new mom, especially, like, you just can't be away from your baby. Like, it's just hard. It's hard. Like, now I know Wendy's is her third time around the block. She might be a little bit more lax in that area, but you could tell by her communication and how hard she came that she really just wanted her baby. Um, so I can identify with that, but she, now, I don't like, I don't like Ashley either. Actually, I flip flop with Ashley depending upon who she's coming for and why. And right now, I'm more so favorable towards Ashley. So when they, when Robin was like, are you going to apologize? I was like, yeah, she should apologize. But Wendy, bitch, Wendy said, well, that is, I don't feel like that. <laughs> I'm going to start using that. When people ask me to apologize, I'm going to be like, I don't feel like that garners an apology. Like, that doesn't require an apology, bitch. Yeah. Big, big dick energy. Hello, like you said, big PhD energy. And she told Ashley, people like you address me as doctor. Okay, period. Oh, Kurt, legends only. <laughs> legends only, bitch. Baby, that whole episode. And then when Karen uh, told Giselle, you know, they were asking each other questions. And Karen was like, so how, do, how does it feel going back to your husband after he cheated on you? <laughs> Baby, <laughs> listen. Giselle has made a living off of her husband being a cheating ass nigga. Like she's that's the reason why she's on Potomac. That's the basis of her little book. That's why people relate and identify with her because that's a lot of women's stories, unfortunately. Um, so it's her storyline. It's and yeah, it's her storyline. It was her storyline from day one. So to see that you going back to the same nigga that done uh 
cheated on you, embarrassed you, clowned you, and then you turned around and turned your mess into a blessing. Okay. And then you making money off the cheating. Bitch, we need answers. Yeah, you need to tell us what's going on. Like, explain that. Explain that to the congregation. Explain that to the people that bought your messy ass book. Explain that to the people that's watching Potomac. Because, bitch, we want to know. And um, obviously, you know, he's changed a lot. You said that we want to know specifics. We like your kids here. Like her kid, even her kids ain't fucking with. Her. I was just about to say her so, kids are not here for it. And fans of Giselle are not either. So Giselle, tell us what's going on, okay? We want to know because we don't accept Pastor Jamal. He could um flip his Bible, <laughs> baby. I feel like Giselle can't keep him in. I feel like something going on with her where she can't keep him in. So she said, "You know what? Let me go on back <laughs> to Jamal." Where he know me and I know him and let's just make an agreement that he ain't going to cheat, hopefully. But anyway, yeah, her kids ain't having it, which is kind of a sticky situation. I don't I don't know how she's going to deal with that. But anyways, please watch Real Housewives of Potomac, y'all. It's so good. And we'll be talking about it next week. Uh, I have some love and hip hop uh, news or update that y'all hear. Tahiri is claiming that Joe Budden was physically abusive and broke her nose and fractured her rib and pushed her down the stairs. Baby, she went, she did an interview and made all those claims. And y'all know Joe Budden, okay? He responded saying that Tahiri is a, and I quote, he says she is a cancerous, toxic, clout check chasing liar. That's what he said. And that someone else broke her nose. And as a result uh, of a physical altercation. So basically what he said was this happened when she was in Vegas or they were in Vegas. He said Sin City, but I'm assuming that Sin City is Vegas. And she called him and was like, you know, she got into a physical altercation with some dude. He broke her nose. It's even a video that that surfaced of her saying all this. And now she's twisting it and saying that. Joe Budden did all this to her and he's like are you like not remembering and basically Joe Budden is saying that you know she was abusive to him and this all was happening when they were in their you know uh early 20s or mid 20s late 20s so you know at the end of the day I do not condone abuse at all and I am not here for that I hope Tahiri is not lying about that and twisting it up for a clout chasing check like Joe Budden is saying, because Joe Budden is like, she lying. I hope not either. Because um, abuse, domestic abuse is a motherfucker to try to to accuse somebody of and it not be true. So I hope, I, I don't hope, well, shit, I, I hope she's not lying and accusing this man, this man, if he's innocent. But if he is not, fuck him. You know, um, I'm not so favorable to Joe Budden anyway because I think his opinion is trash. I think his musical opinion sucks. <laughs> and then he's always saying some off-the-cuff ass shit about women, especially black women. And I'm just like, nigga, shut up. Like, you don't speak for us. So, I mean, I hope that whatever the situation is, they get sorted out soon. But somebody did this you him on Twitter where um somebody was commenting about him and Tahiri's situation and was like, 
he could never do that to me. And he was, he replied back to her, you would never get the opportunity. So it was basically oh. like him owning it, like, yeah, a little bit, but he was trying to be shady. But at the same time, like, that's not nothing to joke about. It's not. Nothing about it is cool. Like I said, uh, I don't know about the situation. You know, yeah. It's a crazy situation. And in more love and hip hop coonery, buffoonery, okay. Love and hip hop is wilding now. They ain't filming, but baby, they got a lot going on. Um, well, the people or the cast of Love and Hip Hop. Uh, if anyone cares, because I don't, but I'm going to let y'all know, because <laughs> we in the break room. Masika, <laughs> uh, Fetty Wobbs, Baby Mama, and Hazel E. from Love and Hip Hop Hollywood are having a sit down that will be streaming on Zeus. Okay. I still don't have a Zeus login and I'm not paying my money for it. What is Zeus like? The oblivion for D-list ass motherfuckers? Like, is that where y'all go to make a buck to Zeus? Because I don't even know who these two are. You know what? I do know who they are. You know who they are. Hazel Lee is the girl that uh, Ilanya, Ilanya, she was like, who is the friend? What's her name? Yeah, uh, Yanya. Yanya. She was making her recite her rap lyrics. I remember that, but I don't care about you, though. So, girl. What is this? What are y'all sitting down for? What is it? Did I miss something? What is it? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I don't know if y'all trying to squash OB from Love and Hip Hop Hollywood season one from back in 2014 when I graduated from college. Like, what are y'all doing? And get this on top of all that. The show is being produced by none other than Ray J and Princess. Okay. Bitch. At this point, it's a joke. <laughs> I told you they was going to head back to Zeus to make another coin. I told you. What is what is happening with Wicked Airbus? Y'all not making enough for that? Like, what's going on? Wait a minute. What is it? What is and it? I, and, and I thought you niggas was getting divorced. <laughs> Girl, it was a setup. You said I told y'all. You said it. You said it, friend. So, look, it's a lot of buffoonery, like I said, going on. Anyways, moving on um, to some new music that is out, y'all. So, SZA is back. And she dropped a song called, or a single featuring Ty Dolla Sign called Hits Different. And uh, she also came out with a video that she directed. I love SZA. I'm still trying to get into the song, but I'm I'm glad she's back on the scene. Um, have you heard the song yet, Dana? I have. And I'm going to have to listen to it a little bit more. Yeah. You know, it's one of those, that I'm like, oh, I love SZA. Let me, you know, get into right. this. Because honestly, I wasn't into her first album on First Listen. But baby, when I tell you that is my album, like I loved it after I gave it a second listen. Okay. I'm here for SZA. I love her. She's beautiful. She's from my hometown. So it's nothing but love and respect over here for our princess. Yes. Shout out to SZA. Also, Monica uh, dropped... Uh, trenches featuring Lil Baby. I'm not. I don't. I don't like that song. But um, sit down. <laughs> I don't like it. I, I, she could have kept that. But shout out to Monica because she done lost some weight and she looking real good. I'm trying to uh, get hooked up with her trainer. Um, <laughs> um, also, Chloe and Hallie. You know they have that song called Do It. They came out with a remix with. It's like 
black girl power, okay? The City Girls, Mulatto, and Doja Cat. And it's so funny because folks are criticizing Young Miami's verse on that. And <laughs> did you see? Y'all better leave Carisha alone. <laughs> Leave Carisha alone, period. And it's so funny because she like replied back and was like, let it marinate. Nah, she not quote unquote, but she was like, maybe y'all like it in the morning. And y'all, not, she was like, y'all need to get off me, basically. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't her best verse. Uh, I liked, um, uh, JT's verse, but, uh, it's so funny. Like, Young Miami didn't take it personal at all, which was really cute. I like, love them. I love the city girls. Like, me too. I just love them. I love how they serve. I love their fashions. I love their ratchet ass music. Like, I feel like I'm a city girl inside. Girl, yeah. Get your life. Okay. Period. Pooh. I love them. I live for them. They can do no wrong to me. Um, and Bryson Tiller also came out with a new song. I'm like, where is Bryson Tiller being? I like Bryson Tiller, but I don't like the song. It's called Inhale. Um, and lastly, Big Sean debuted his fifth album. Uh, it's called Detroit 2. Um, he also took to Instagram and cried saying, you know, this is my fifth album and thank you, Kate, for your support. But did the he album- cry for real? I mean, I'm not making fun of it, but did he really Yeah, cry? he did. He was on the crying. Um, what, was, what, what triggered the tears? Girl, I have no idea, honestly. I didn't even continue to look at it. He was just like, you know, this is my fifth album and I just want to thank you guys for the support. Oh, he was being sentimental. The album is... I hate to say trash, but ooh, I don't like the album at all. <laughs> I haven't heard it yet. I'm actually looking forward to listening to it because um, some people on Twitter was like, oh, it's a great album. It's his best yet. So, oh. I mean, I'm not a big, big Sean fan. Um, I liked him more so in his earlier days. So I don't know what this is about, but I'll take a listen. I was going to say, it's nothing like, you know, back in my college days when he first came out. So I'm he not got even... hella features on this joint, though. Like, yeah, he does have a lot of features. Every song has a feature. Yeah, I wasn't feeling it. I love Big Sean, though. I love him, uh, but I wasn't feeling it. I am, I want to mention, if you like, you guys like Power, I know Dana does not like, does not watch Power. She didn't watch Power, but Power Book 2 is premiering on September 6th. It is a um, spinoff from Power. I can't get into it. I mean, I'm going to watch it because I love the creator, Courtney A. Kemp. I think she's a genius, Um, but I'm just still, I'm still grieving over Ghost, honestly. (laughs) Listen to me talking about I'm grieving over ghosts. Did he die? Yes, girl, he died. He, he was killed by his son. His son killed him, child. Oh, oh Tariq. Girl, damn. Girl, oh. so- I didn't put that on Twitter. Like, I've been following power all these years on Twitter and nobody told me. Girl, <laughs> Ghost is dead. He gone. But now they have a whole bunch of spinoffs. So Power Book 2 is a spinoff about Tariq or his son, his mom, and how he's basically about to be a second ghost. And they also announced that um, Tommy from the show is also going to get a spinoff. So Courtney A. Kemp, when the show first started, uh, back in, I think it was like 2013, 2012, something like that. She said that she had a set an, an amount of seasons. So we knew this was going to happen, but I'm still sh- shook it. So 
What's with all the spinoffs? They said that they were going to do a whole bunch of spinoffs. I don't know if that's because 50 Cent came in and said, I want to do a whole bunch of spinoffs, but they're doing all these spinoffs. Like, I don't understand why we just didn't continue the show with Ghost. I don't understand, but hey. I mean, I understand the one spinoff, like with the storyline you just said, his, his son growing into a new him. Like, mm-hmm. I can understand that show, but I just don't understand why we need five other spinoffs. <laughs> How many friends? Right, five. Like, what <laughs> many is this shit? a lot. Like, why we need all of these? What? How many stories is to tell? Girl. You don't run out of motherfucking characters, goddamn. Girl, so, yeah, y'all look out for Tommy's uh, spin-off. They haven't gave, given us details, but I uh, they did take that to Instagram and said that he's getting a Getting what through. is it called? White and worried? Like, what is this about? <laughs> Look, I love Tommy. Tommy can do no wrong. I don't know what he gonna be doing. I don't know if he gonna be trying to be a ghost too. So, child, I don't know. White and complex. Now I'm just being stupid. Go ahead, friend. <laughs> <laughs> or Tommy and Lala shoot. Tommy, uh, Lala might get her another uh, check because. Lala getting these acting checks. She got the shy. Now she might, because you know Tommy and uh, Lala. Lala is Tommy's love interest, so she might be getting her another check. I don't know, child. I don't know what they're gonna do. Well, I'm here for Lala getting the check. Yeah, me too. I, I love I, Lala. I'll condone it. <laughs> so I did save the best for last. I know we talked about Usher in the beginning of the break room, but I have to say, you guys, that Usher announced that he has his own. Vegas residency his own Vegas residency at Caesars Palace it kicks off July 2021 and tickets go on sale next Thursday which is September 10th y'all if anyone if anybody want to give me a birthday present because my birthday is on September 18th okay please go ahead and bless my life because look I told put y'all it out there, put it out there <laughs> I love Usher and the fact that I I just feel I feel two ways about this. I feel like super excited and happy for him. Like that's a a big a huge deal. But at the same time, I also feel super old because like as soon as your favorite artist gets a residency, like it's a wrap. Like you old now. <laughs> like I mean, hurt knees club basically. <laughs> like, I do feel old as shit. But like Usher's been out since we were kids, but he was also a kid. So yeah. I don't, I mean, it's not, I think it's cool as hell that he's getting a residency. I don't know about going though. Like, I I don't know if it's just me, but anytime I think about outside, it just looks dirty. So if they ever put a um, Usher Vegas residency on HBO or something, I'm here for that. Well, friend, it's gonna be in twenty twenty one. You ain't gonna you ain't gonna be comfortable. And look, they talking about it's gonna be a vaccine. They they done the a va- look a vaccine coming. I know that was one of my stories, but we didn't get to it because we went in on Brandy and Monica. <laughs> but yeah, there's supposed to be a vaccine coming November first, guys. Um, yeah, I'm gonna let all of y'all get that and turn into zombies first, and then I'll check it out. <laughs> What they gonna turn? They gonna turn it, girl? You ain't lying. I'm not getting it. I'm not getting it. I'm not getting it. Not on duty. Not on duty. <laughs> like they they said. <laughs> I'm not doing it. So look, I really want to. If they have a vaccine and this stuff is under control by July 2021, I want to go because I want to see Usher. Like I love Usher and I'm here for Usher. So shout out to Usher. I'm so happy for you. And that's all I have for the break room. 
All right, guys. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to our show. Forgot to tell you guys in the beginning of the show, we are now on iHeartRadio, which is awesome. Yay, which is awesome. So, um, again, thank you guys for your continued support. Um, We love you guys so much, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye, y'all. Bye, guys. Bye.